0: Welcome to NFP, the non-fungible podcast with your host, D.E. Klein. Did you know that one of crypto's best use cases is also a tax-saving strategy? I'm talking about donating crypto to your favorite charity. The Giving Block makes it easy for the crypto community to support important causes with Bitcoin, Ethereum, and dozens of other cryptos. Choose from over 1,200 vetted nonprofit organizations, donate any amount, and then hold on to your tax receipt. When it's tax time, you could save big. Your donation could offset some or most of what you owe on that huge capital gains line. Make smart money moves while making a difference. To learn more, visit thegivingblock.com NFP. That's thegivingblock.com NFP. And let's show the world that crypto is good. Hey, this is NFP, the non-fungible podcast with me, Dee Klein. Today's episode is brought to you by the Koi Network. Koi makes minting NFTs super easy and inexpensive. Just drag and drop your file using their NFT wallet Finny, and Koi takes care of the rest. Minting costs as little as one cent, so you can create as many NFTs as you want. And when they're viewed by other people, you even earn Koi tokens that you can use to fund your next series. Check it out at koii.network. Wes Levitt, Head of Strategy at Theta. Thank you so much for joining me on NFP today.
1: Thanks for having me, Darren. Look forward to it. Yeah. Welcome.
0: Uh, So just uh, starting up here, we were reminiscing about our mutual early Binance DGEN days. I was telling Wes how I bought Theta token at three, no, three-tenths of a cent. Yeah. I was looking it up today on my uh, Delta, you know, the portfolio thing. That's where you can see mm-hmm. all the times you've lost money. Um, And, and I and I, I, I made good money on it. I sold it when it tripled to one cent. Yeah, I,
1: I got it. I mean, I was dabbling in the space in 2015, yep. 2016, like a lot of folks in the 2017, got a lot more serious into it. And that's when I joined Data Labs shortly right after that. It's all a lot of those same stories that you don't realize all the nonsense finance trade you're doing until you have to go back and say, do your taxes and account for all those. And you're thinking, what was I thinking?
0: <laughs> yeah, well, you know, mine was mostly capital losses, frankly, at that time. Because yeah. I was, you know, <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing at that point in time. It was just like, hey, this is really fun. So it's crazy, though. I mean, at that time, you felt like a wizard when you did make money because, you know, the amount that stuff was going up in such a short span of time was ridiculous, right? Yeah. I and mean, that's how much so much of development
1: in crypto is getting done anyway by fumbling around, trying different things, iterating on it. So, you know, the early mistakes you have in the space is just kind of part of the course. That's, that's just how crypto, you know, moves forward.
0: <laughs> For sure. But, you know, when you look at Theta in particular, like I remember at the time going, oh, Theta video streaming was, was even at that point in time, that was kind of the premise of mm-hmm. Theta. And um, it's kind of stuck to that. And I mean, there are not a lot of tokens I can think of from that era that have seen the success and growth and development that Theta has. Because like I told you, I had plenty of tokens that were just pipe dreams. They were just worthless, you know? So, I mean, Theta's had enormous growth.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of that is just when you when it's the peak of the hype cycle, whether it's 2017, you could argue 2021, maybe now, you see a lot of stuff being thrown at the walls. Uh, the team of things is, uh, is built a little differently. You know, both of our, our co-founders, uh, CEO Mitch and our CEO of uh, both have exits under their belt from before. They're pretty experienced uh, uh, startup founders. And so they, they look at this in kind of a long-term vision and, you actually you're thinking through how to execute on something bigger. So I think you compare that to a lot of the things that got spun up in 2017, where it was literally just come up with any premise you can for a cryptocurrency so we can launch as soon as possible and get in on it. I'm not surprised the vast majority of those didn't didn't stick around.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, and a lot of times people will talk about the parallels that that has with the current NFT space. And of course, Mm -hmm. that's what this show is all about is NFTs, art in particular, but NFTs in more general. So Wes, can you tell me when exactly did Theta make the pivot over into NFTs? Because from what I recall, it was more of a video streaming infrastructure emphasis. When did NFTs pop onto their radar?
1: Yeah, that that is right, and that that's uh, I'd still say our main focus. We we think uh, about what core to what we're building is infrastructure tools for for video, right? decentralized products you can use in the video and entertainment space. Um, but as part of that, we work with a lot of entertainment companies. Uh, and, and several of them are early investors in our company, like Creative Artist Agency, Samsung, Sony Ventures. Uh, and so uh, we didn't make NFTs a focus, but because data is EVM compatible, it is uh, relatively easy to just, uh, if you're familiar with how to make an NFT or how to launch a contract using them on Ethereum, you can do so very easily on data. Um, and eventually it got to what, where we were hearing from uh, a lot of folks, Creative Artists Agency being the biggest one who were uh, really getting excited about using NFTs. This all started, I would say, the biggest uh, where it really hit was very late 2020, early 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, and you know, it, eventually, at some point, it became you know we have the capability to to put out products using NFTs, and we we see this demand directly from people we work with. Uh, yeah, it makes sense to to start building those out. Not only just because it is also an interesting thing to be building with NFTs, but we see that as something that could be part of a holistic, uh, like a suite of products in the centralized space we can offer entertainment companies. And if NFTs are the things that are getting exciting, uh, getting them excited now, that's a great uh, first way to get involved with them. And that's actually playing out with some, for example, uh, Intank Group, who uh, owns Party Poker. We're launching NFTs with them, but that's also spurred discussions we have about using. Example, right? they have video products for uh, broadcasts they do with, with InTank Group. So we see it not as so much of a, a like this separate siloed product or it's got nothing to do with it. It's really more kind of folds into this suite of different things that entertainment companies can use to, to use blockchain technology to improve their offerings.
0: Yeah, I'm curious, where do you see the trends going with this? Me personally, I'm like the one of one artist type person. Uh, obviously the PFPs have kind of taken over as the dominant way that people seem to be interacting with NFTs now. And yep. where do you see it going?
1: Yeah, so I I, I feel pretty strongly uh, on, uh, on my views on NFTs, but they're evolving a little bit. So I'll, I'll get into mm-hmm. that. I, I definitely uh, originally are much more biased toward the NFTs where they serve some specific purpose or some utility to it. So like I get really excited right. about, Uh, There's a a Theta uh, project area ecosystem called MetaPass that is doing NFT-based ticketing for online conferences, for offline events. Uh, And and really, uh, it gets me excited how even if uh, the end user doesn't even need to know if it's an NFT, it's just they're actually using NFTs in in an innovative way to to serve some purpose. And uh, we we encourage that a lot with the ones building on Theta. Uh, So, like, for example, Pittsburgh Knights is an esports team that uh recently launched nfts on it and on uh, our theta drop platform if you have one you can play with the different pittsburgh knights players on their on their roster or if you have a few lucky ones you can play with wiz khalifa who's an investor in, the, in their esports team so that's kind of where i come from i am softening a little bit on the pfp that's well, just because you know i i dismissed it a little bit as just pure speculation and, and there's not a lot to it um but it goes back to what i started to, to talk about how it's a lot in crypto just starts with things that may not have a perfect use right now but they're iterating and they're finding out what works what resonates with different communities and that moves the whole space forward so even though it's easy to joke about jpegs and pfps and that it's it's just some silly thing people are using to, to build hype on it is driving a lot of these these other concepts within nfts forward and it's a lot of bringing a lot of uh, a good attention and investment and other things that are going to drive NFTs forward. So uh, I'm no longer as biased against uh, <laughs> PMPs, the PFPs, the one ones I'm starting to come around and see how they, they still are a positive for the space uh, and something we should be supporting.
0: Right. Yeah, it reminds me of, um, what was his name? Was it Sinclair who patented uh, the idea of pressing a button on a machine that would alter the appearance of a screen. And mm-hmm. all it was, all he did, I believe I'm this, you know, I haven't done my research on this. He patented where you would press a button and the screen color changed. It would go Mm -hmm. like the whole screen would turn red, then the whole screen would turn blue. But essentially, it was a video game, right? And so I don't know how long that lasted where he was getting uh, royalties from all of these video games but for many years you know he did extremely well from that and anybody looking at would go well what's the big deal you're just pressing a a button and it's changing a color on the screen but who would have thought what would have happened out of that creation that invention in terms of where it would go you know and so i think you know it's only natural that early nfts would just be you know relatively simplistic they would be pictures that you know people are collecting yeah it's easy
1: to you compare it to other technologies or other things that developed You see the end product of those, and you see this is just, uh, this is so nascent. It doesn't even make sense that people see value in it, but you forget that there was those baby steps along the way for pretty much every other technology you use. You know, the internet in its first form was not exactly as user-friendly as they use it today. You know, it was uh, BSS, like, message boards, BBS message boards, and other things where you would never get uh, a mainstream user to use that. Almost no one used it. those kind of crude early steps are what gets you to the consumer-friendly global mainstream version you see today.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, when I look at Theta Drop, I mean, it seems like it's pretty heavily curated in terms of who you have on this platform. Would that be accurate to say that?
1: Yeah, that's right. So uh, it, it's changing a little bit over time, but at least in our, uh, our early thinking, ThetaDrop would be a curated platform uh, mm-hmm. That we created, Theta Labs, and then there's other NFT platforms like Open Theta. Uh, there's uh, uh, another community project that does a little bit of uh, uh, lots of different things, analytics of the blockchain, uh, called Theta Board. They've expanded to open their own NFT marketplace mm-hmm. that's uh, open uh, and non-curated as well. So we like how the you know the the ecosystems responding, and we're kind of having different flavors of the type of marketplace depending on what suits people better. You know, some of the higher profile uh, folks were doing drops with like Katy Perry uh, or like with the Samsung uh, S22 drop we did. They really need the more handheld, uh, hand-holding version of it where we we run it all for them. Uh, and so that works for that type of user. But of course there's lots of other uh, projects picking up organically where they don't want to be part of a curated process. They want to be able to just go direct to market. So we, we think there's a place for both um, and it, it seems to be both there, you know, we see that there's a lot of crossover, there's users that use both types of platforms depending on what they're looking for. hmm
0: hmm So, I mean, if we're, let's stick with Theta Drop for now. You know, can we talk about some of the um, assets you have on there, what's happening? I know Katy Perry's one of the biggest ones, but mm-hmm. I also see like World, Pork, World Poker Tour has something coming up.
1: Yeah, sorry, actually, yeah, World Poker Tour is actually one of the earlier, uh, one of mm-hmm. the very first drops oh, around.
0: I'm, I'm sorry, it's Party Poker that has something new coming up.
1: Yeah, so they're actually uh, you know, a rival uh, in some ways to uh-huh. them. But they're coming out, uh, and they've got a lot of exciting ideas about how they're going to uh, basically use the NFTs as, as part of a game to, to make it more interactive. Um, not sure exactly how much they really have, so I don't want to overstep any any release there, but I know they're, they're being very forward-thinking in it, which is really exciting. We've got a lot of ideas about how to make the NFTs that they drop more interactive, have more utility. And depending on the creators, some of them are gung-ho about it, others, they're not quite there. Um, party mm-hmm. poker is one we're really excited about because they get it. I think they 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 see this as just uh, you know, the the NFT that just sits there and doesn't do anything is V1. And you know, how else can we make this more exciting for our users and, and make it more interesting? So mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah and and then, I don't know. Uh, Poker,
0: poker and crypto—they just they go hand in hand. I feel like, you know.
1: Yeah, the 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 it's definitely a lot of the same people involved. Mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of it is from. It's been a while since I played online poker, but I remember in the early days, oh five, oh six, we were playing. It was even back then it was terrible to try to get money to play poker online. So I think a lot of those poker guys all learned to use crypto early because it was a way for them to transfer funds to these different ones. So, yeah, it's, it's the same folks. <laughs> both, yeah, it's interesting
0: regions. how that's, there's so many laws restricting that, you know, in, in, in so many regions, you know, yet, I mean, people find a way. So, I don't know. I don't know if the laws actually accomplished a whole lot, you know, honestly, in those cases. Yeah. And that's just a matter of my uh, yeah. opinion. Yeah. Quick break here for the Giving Block. In the past year, the number of nonprofits accepting cryptocurrency donations increased tenfold on the Giving Block. Since 2018, The Giving Block has been making it easy for nonprofits to modernize their fundraising by accepting crypto donations. Organizations of all sizes can sign up and get started in no time. Nonprofits are saying that crypto is the future of fundraising. Find out why at thegivingblock.com/nfp. That's thegivingblock.com/nfp. In cooperation with the Coin Network, I am presenting Atomic Zombies by Decline. You can find these at atomiczombies.io. We've got 10,000 zombies that will eventually be available, each with their own set of random generative characteristics. You can watch your zombies' characteristics unlock, emerge, and evolve as they receive more attention online, powered by the Coin Network and proof of real traffic. Check it out at AtomicZombies.io.
1: Yeah, there's a couple other ones i are really excited about Resorts World Las Vegas, which is, uh, this is the newest casino out there. Uh, we're working with them to release somewhere you'll get these VIP stays where it has uh, features you can only get at the casino with, the NFTs from ThetaDrop. Oh, really? Interesting. Uh, yeah. Um, and same thing with the Samsung ones that just came out. Anyone in Korea who bought a new S22 or the Galaxy tablet, they could uh, claim an NFT from that. And uh, I think about 120,000 of them did uh, and claim those on Theta Drop. And then so Samsung's got some other things in the works where basically like in the coming months, uh, we'll have exclusive access to, to things where you have to have the NFT too. So that it's kind of... Um, Couple of examples of what we're, we're getting at where we want it to, to mean more and to do something else uh, rather than just be uh, a collectible. There's a place for that too, of course, but that's sort of the the, the tack that we're taking with our Theta Drop platform.
0: For sure, for sure. Yeah. And so then uh, I wasn't actually aware of Open Theta. Open Theta would be more like your OpenSea type thing, obviously, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, exactly. This is a place mm-hmm. that any artist could go and uh, sign up and create their works, for example. Yes, exactly. Correct. Yeah, Yeah. and with that, have you had you know um, artists of significance that you know of, or series or collectibles of of particular note on that platform? I don't even know; it's new to me.
1: On Open Theta, yeah, yeah. I my perception and the ones I've seen is it tends to be uh, a lot that are folks from the Theta community that built out. But that's something that we're we're watching. We'd like to encourage more uh, to it to broaden out, and obviously, we always want the ecosystem to grow and to pull in other folks from outside of it. Um, mm-hmm. Since it's third party, we don't run open day. We're not really taking direct action, but just as you know, right. always wanting to encourage community projects to expand. That's something we're, we're excited to to see them do more this year.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, with this, you know, uh, you know, obviously the bane of most artists in the traditional Ethereum space is gas fees and Mm. you know traffic and so forth. What's the artist experience like on on Theta then in comparison?
1: Yeah, certainly that's one of the things that's going to be a lot uh, easier for any artist using Theta. The the gas fees are going to be in the order of uh, twenty or thirty cents, um, and and, uh, the block times are short enough that you're going to see. A transaction uh, usually will be completed within, let's say, twenty seconds, and rarely, if if ever, failing. So, at least uh, compared to my experience, NFTs or frankly anything on Ethereum, that part is a big one um, Trade off, of course, is it's uh, Ethereum is a bit of a victim of its own success. It's like uh, yes. it's like a restaurant you can't get into because it's so crowded. Like that part's not good, but everyone's there for a reason because. Even more so than that example, like there's a network effect. You want to be where everyone else is on it. So to that end, uh, we're working on some bridges uh, between the two. Uh, for example, like Meter IO, we use as a bridge to Ethereum. There, uh, One thing we want to expand that to is to make that easy to use for NFTs between the two platforms. Uh, taking our time a little bit on that, especially in light of uh, all the issues bridges have been having lately and how it seems they're becoming sort of the uh, weakest link in the chain, no pun intended. So even if data and Ethereum, uh, the blockchains themselves are totally secure, you can't have uh, a a bridge that has issues and loses a bunch of user assets or user funds. So we're... Uh, see
0: with Ronin you're talking about, I'm I'm guessing.
1: Yeah. And there's been a couple other recently too, Wormhole, I think. Was one, uh, and we're talking on the order of hundreds of millions of dollars in losses. So yep. we are taking a little bit slower approach to make sure that we kind of see how the dust settles on those and make sure that we are not the next headline on that. Uh, <laughs> but that's we we do realize it's important. Like it's it's still by far the biggest creator community uh, and, and the most um, the, the the most visible one. So rather than try to completely outcompete and steal away users, we think it makes more sense to, to increase compatibility with data. With
0: well, that's kind of my feeling is that I think, over, maybe we can talk kind of bigger picture here. I think over the course of time, we see more interoperability rather than all these kind of sequestered blockchains just running in their own little worlds. Do you see that happening over time? Or, I mean, obviously there's the security stuff and the exploits and whatnot,
1: but... Yeah, I think for the most part, um, there certainly can be some use cases where it's, it doesn't matter if they're connected to other chains. Like uh, there could be some enterprise use cases where they only have uh, the work they wanna do on chain or they only have a small number of partners and they're okay being siloed in their own uh, little world. But the vast majority of, of dApps and, and just web three businesses in general are focused on connectivity. Um, mm-hmm. And that's not going to work for them to be stuck in one little corner of of the blockchain space. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. It's, it's obviously got a lot more kinks to be worked out. I thought we were a lot closer, and that was um, a bit of a shock to me. Just how, how many bridges are having issues, and even just the last three months. Um, so that that's that's an unfortunate setback. But I think it's just it's kinks that need to be worked out along the way.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, here you are, your head of strategy at Theta. Can you share with us, like, what are you thinking? Like, what, where where's the direction of this space going in your mind that you're going to have the most success the most impact? Yeah. Do, do you mean uh, crypto broadly or NFTs specifically? Yeah, let's talk broadly. We can get into NFTs as well, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Bigger picture. Yeah. For sure.
1: Yeah. yeah. So our focus, uh, in particular this year, is we spend a lot of time building technology. And I, I think we've, uh, like a lot of crypto, uh, for and and blockchain projects. We spend a lot of time on technology and building something that's work, but we're often speaking just to the crypto community out there. And so right. I, I think it's uh, it's probably a thing with a lot of projects we talk to, but certainly it's for us that we, it's, I think it's that time to be focused on the product side, and to productize some of these technologies more and just be laser focused on what's going to make end users uh, want to use blockchain products instead of just building something that's very interesting from a technical standpoint and acting like just if we build it, they will come. But because it, mm-hmm. clearly that hasn't been true. Um, so I, I know to speak for ourselves at least, we're focusing this year on funding uh, more hackathons. We're supporting a lot of ecosystem projects that are taking uh, a lot of what we built and productizing it for different use cases. So like the example, I use in MetaPass that are doing NFT ticketing um where you know we could have built that ourselves, but we're a pretty small team there's 25 of us um and, and we're not we can't really build everything that's going to exist in the ecosystem what we can do is build underlying technology and then when we see teams um coming with great ideas to use that give them the support they need and do everything you can to to help them out um, but it, i think that's going to be a major theme going Forward, especially once you see so much investment now in the blockchain space, billions and billions of dollars, there needs to be uh, some type of end goal to that. Besides it just being the world's most expensive research project that didn't actually, you know, produce something that anyone wanted to use at the end of it. <laughs>
0: yeah, that, it was, I know, uh, You know, yeah, that's I'm, what I'm happens when there's a lot of innovation. I guess. Yeah, I
1: mean, it's very, it's. It's very cliche to say early stage, but just look around at how things are getting built and how much experimentation is going. It still very much is. So there's always going to be a little bit of that element it's in the culture of crypto to experiment and, and try lots of different things and see what sticks. But we think that it's, it, the technology is matured enough that it's also time to, to be focused on what what prioritizes this into things that are actually going to be useful to users. Mm-hmm.
0: Maybe you can talk a little bit about that in terms of Theta acting as like the infrastructure for some of these things, like for the video streaming, for example, how does that work compared to our currently centralized, you know, uh, you know, going to YouTube, for example, you know, how Mm -hmm. how does that work in comparison to that? Yeah. So
1: um, there's a couple different steps within it uh, that we focus on when we say video infrastructure. Uh, there's the video streaming, the, the movie, or the actual video segments, you think, so like an Akamai or AWS, when you watch a YouTube video, they deliver the, the video segments from the source to, to your device that you're watching on. Um, there's the storage component, um, and then there's the compute, which is typically used in this case for uh, encoding or transcoding of a video. So it's, a, uh, it, it's in a specific bitrate, and then on your device, you're trying to watch in a different bitrate. There has to be some processing work involved to, to get that to the right for a bit rate right for you. Um, so all these things are done typically now with cloud services. Uh, but what we're uh, primarily we built uh, just to back up from the NFTs is uh, decentralized infrastructure that lets you do all these things on a peer to peer basis and with uh, devices that are underutilized. So to, uh, I guess put that in layman's terms is you know if you are Uh, using your laptop and watching a video, you almost certainly have uh, excess bandwidth and excess computing resources that are not being used on your device. And what the Theta software allows you to do is basically uh, put that to work in the background. So you're watching a given stream uh, and there's 10 other people in the same area that are watching it. Instead of having to hit the CDN like AWS or your Akamai 10 times to get that same video, maybe you and one other person in the local area Have that video, and you can relay it to other users in the area. Or on the processing side, let's say one of those other users needs it in a different bit rate. Instead of pinging the CDN again and downloading it, uh, the the next video segments uh, in that bit rate, maybe you can transcode it into a different bit rate on your device right there. And so we have uh, uh, we deem these edge nodes uh, of the users running that, and that's because they're designed to operate closer to the edge of the network rather than at the center. So like at the by the end user, and we have uh, a, a bit more than hundred thousand edge nodes running throughout the world, uh, primarily just community users or some uh, diehard people I agree like that run uh, cloud instances and many many edge nodes at once. But that's sort of the backbone of of this network we're building uh, that you know effectively can do a lot of the work that's done on uh, in a centralized way, but can be pointed toward doing this work wherever it's needed. Uh, so, so users on the edge want to give a given video, it can ping other users around there and see who has it uh, and, and have someone uh, use those underutilized devices rather than paying to have the cloud services do it over again.
0: Okay, interesting. So, uh, the edge nodes essentially are they then earning a token reward of some sort for providing that service? Yeah, that's right. So, that's the.
1: Rather than it being, uh, if you're familiar with crypto jacking, where someone basically like, you know, install something on your computer that does the yeah. work for them, this isn't something that's just as uh, pirating a user's resources for every little amount of work they do, whether it's sending a video segment to their neighbor, whether it's uh, encoding a, a video segment to send to someone else. Uh, coming pretty soon as we roll out the storage component, which is sort of an alpha release right now. Um, But if they're storing video or or even other types of data, uh, in the future, NFTs storing on your device, for example, um, they get paid for each of these things along the way in uh, very small micropayments for each given one, but of course adds up as your uh, day-to-day with with your your computers using the software to to provide these services.
0: So this brings up kind of an interesting thought anyway. I think it's an interesting thought. When I think about you know, internet censorship and how people maybe don't have access to information in certain regions because of those centralized providers. Um, Does Theta then enable people to have access to that? You know, like you think about Russia and Ukraine and how much misinformation is happening in those Mm -hmm. regions, for example. You know, is there a way that, that people can have access to information because of these new solutions rather than the kind of heavily centralized internet providers?
1: Yeah, so we haven't made that uh, censorship resistance a specific focus of what we're building. I mean, just mm-hmm. for some quick backstory to kind of uh, understand where our heads are at with that, where this came out of is we, uh, our, our company was founded as a video streaming platform ourselves called Sliver TV, which uh, years later along the way was renamed to Theta TV. And the idea of using the creating this decentralized network to begin with was to solve our own problem because we were spending 50% of our our, uh, expenses were CDN costs. And that's, uh, uh, as a startup, uh, without an infinite runway, that's obviously not a a sustainable situation for us. So we were thinking of it as a a way to solve this from a cost standpoint. And uh, as a video platform that benefited from it, uh, started talking to other video platforms, uh, some of our investors like Samsung and Sony about, is this something else that would be interesting to you as well? This, is, These are the benefits it can bring you. And so all that is to say is we looked at it from an enterprise, with an enterprise hat on to begin with. Um, but that said, you're you're very familiar with the, the ethos of crypto. There's been a lot of folks that have been drawn to what we built for other reasons like censorship resistance. And even though it's not something we are super focused on building products out, we have released... Uh, versions of the edge node, for example, where you can stream directly peer-to-peer to other users, and it's relayed entirely by other people running edge nodes. There's nothing centralized in the entire system. It, uh, is and there are some people that are using that as basically as a way to broadcast. That's uh, effectively completely censorship-resistant. And so I, I don't think that it's something that uh, we necessarily will focus on building out, but because. Of, uh, most of what we build is open source anyway. Uh, it, it is something I think you're going to see interested parties build out more. Uh, and, and, you know, we, we think that's that's fine too. That's part of releasing open source software is you're going to see uh, people find it, different ways to use it or build it in different directions you didn't even think of to begin with. So,
0: mm-hmm. now Let's return to the NFT conversation a little bit. You know, I'm talking about, we were talking earlier about how you know you see things broadening in the space where do you see that going with nfts obviously you're talking about utility being kind of a big element of it Mm -hmm. but what spaces do you think nfts are soon to disrupt potentially
1: yeah it's it's (laughs) it could be potentially almost anything the way you see them thrown out (laughs) for every single thing you can think of i just saw rishi sunak the uh the finance minister of the UK is, is trying to get the Bank of England to release NFTs for some part. Yeah, explain I, that uh, to me. Do,
0: do, what do you know about I, that? I read a little bit about it. And if they were talking about being like a singular NFT. They're like, the UK is going to release an NFT. I'm like, what? That's so strange. Was that
1: just a miswording or? It seemed a little publicity stunt to me. I mean, the article I read said that they wanted to show that the Bank of England is innovating and we're not getting left behind, but it sounded a little gimmicky to me. But... um <laughs> So I, I think anything and everything is going to try how NFTs can be used for it. Um, but I do think some things are a lot more likely to be used than others. Um, one thing I've seen emerging the last couple of months, uh, it, it's been talked about for a while, but I think it's gaining traction, the idea of NFTs being sort of the, the key piece of your digital identity. And of course, there's, mm-hmm. been, there's been companies using crypto as, as digital identity for for years and years. Civic, I know that was a big focus. That's maybe still a big focus for them, but they've been around since you know the days we were early days we were talking about. Um it's another one I it, bought in
0: the early days and it never got back that, yeah. that I paid for it ever. Yeah. yeah. But <laughs> Nothing it, against Civic. It actually does seem to have a utility, but I bought it at the peak. Yeah, yeah, like
1: lots of. Uh but they I, I see more people uh talking about using the uh, an nft is basically like the key to your digital identity and it does make a lot of sense now that people have already sort of organically just decided to start using these nfts as their digital identities it it, it, as simple as just like the profile pictures and that's another reason why you know i I was one of those who was quick to or in the early days was would mock those use cases but when you really think about that the silly you know, profile pictures and, and people using that uh, on Twitter everything, it is kind of a nascent form of using it as your digital identity. And it's that you can Perfect. link that with something on-chain that can be used to unlock things, which you know, we've done similar things with with uh, with Theta where we're using it as sort of like a digital uh, identifier for DRM, for video streams. And so you marry those two things together and it actually starts to look like uh, almost Organically, that's that's kind of spring up where that becomes your digital identity, both um, you know, visually, if you choose to, if you want to identify it, but behind the scenes, that it is also uh maybe the that, that same NFT is how you would decide which of your records gets shared. Like instead of using a Facebook one-click login, you have one that's powered by your NFT, where it's uh all, all the controls are on your side rather than you assenting to. You, know, you, you have to agree to Facebook's rules on there, but the reality is at the end of the day, they're the one transmitting the data. You have no say once you click that button and how your data is transmitted. Maybe this NFT that's your identity, uh, it's much easier to uh, allow for a certain period of time or to pull back that restriction later the same way you might pull back a MetaMask authorization. So I, I, I think something like that is starting to almost emerge uh, organically. I'm excited to see Uh, that is another potential way NFTs will be used.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. Along with that, I often am concerned about the security side because let's say I've got this whole digital identity wrapped up in this PFP and, you know, it's connected to all of these things and then there's some sort of vulnerability or I fall for a phishing email or whatever, you know, that still seems to be really, really dangerous at this point to have those kinds of, valuable assets just out there.
1: Yeah, it is. Uh and it it does uh you know for as much as uh, in crypto we rag on centralization having all of your identity tied up in one digital asset, that's a single point of failure too. Just because it's on a blockchain doesn't yeah. mean it's not recreating the same problems as before. So, yeah, that's goes back to that uh even though it's been a number of years, we still must be early because I don't know of a perfect solution to that already. Um, but perhaps, uh, you know, whether it's multi sig or maybe it's just education about using uh, uh, cold storage or some, some type of way to get where it's safe to use as your digital identity, maybe you can see that become more common.
0: Yeah, I feel like we're a ways away from it being both highly secure and highly convenient. The two just, it's really hard for the two of those to come together. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, the optimist in me says that there is a way, but of course you can question whether there is. Everything's a trade-off, uh, whether you're talking about in in crypto or, or just in business or in politics or anything, there's usually not a perfect solution. You can get to any extreme that you want. But you're probably giving up something else on the other side. And maybe that means that it's not the solution for every single consumer to be using this. Maybe it's Um, more in an enterprise context where someone who's trained uh, to to use it and is educated enough to know that you never, ever follow this random link from your email or something like that. Maybe that's where this digital identifier is more useful. Maybe Mm -hmm. um, it's not useful for every single consumer in the same way that the average person, you know, often gives away their, or uh, many average people will give away their online banking password. If they can't, figure out how to safely use uh web 2.0 tools then web 3.0 tools probably also not for them
0: (laughs) yeah it does seem like it could still be a problem for the long term um but you know i mean it's part of it growing too is that there is a lot of money in the space and therefore there's a lot of predatory behavior in the space because you're getting a lot of early uh, adopters who don't necessarily Know what they're doing you know and they're here kind of trying things and they see the money people are making and then they get an email that says hey you can make lots of money with blah 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 you know yeah it just seems to go hand in hand in the space
1: yeah it, it and it's um it's frustrating me sometimes to get painted as a crypto issue crypto has its own idiosyncratic parts to it that uh maybe makes it easier for for scams in a lot of ways i mean part of it just that their assets, if they're gone, they're more or less gone. But that kind of predatory behavior, uh, like you said, it, it follows the money. You know, yeah. If it was before there was many Wall Street regulations. You had people uh, making uh, fake reports, and you know, uh, on a company, or they have them lying, uh, spreading rumors about a company in the news so that the stock goes down, and they buy it after the, the rumor gets spread, or. In 2005, 2006, 2007, when the real estate market in the U.S. is heating up, you had all these predatory mortgage companies who were just outright lying about loans they were submitting to mortgage companies. There's always going to be fraud if there's a lot of money involved, because it's a target for the same people who are just—they're a scammer. They're going to look for something that's hot and has a lot of money involved. With it. I don't know if it's really a uh, an issue that crypto has something wrong with it. There's so many scams. I think it's just this explosive growth. There's an enormous amount of investment going into it. So if you are uh, a criminal looking for a place to conduct a scam, it's naturally going to be one that you're going to look for. For sure.
0: For sure. Now you are going to be in Croatia. I see this on Theta Network's tweet here. You're going to be uh, there at the uh, Web3 Festival there. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. you can drop some hints about uh, some exciting stuff that's happening at Theta in the next little while. You want to, you know, give listeners a little bit of a inside
1: yeah so um
0: not not really inside information but you know
1: <laughs> sure some color yeah nothing shady. uh yeah um yeah so one of the things we'll be talking about uh so just last week we announced you know, one of the big technical pushes for this year in which uh we're moving to uh or dubbing the, the next uh basically it's the next increment of uh, our theta mainnet 4.0 which is going to be uh the meta chain which effectively is a uh, going to be a chain of chains, which we see uh, some other projects have done this with some success. And we think this is uh, the direction a lot of it's going to be moving into as a the prime scaling solution. Um, you've seen, uh, well, there's some key differences just for ease of this conversation. You've seen similar approaches in Polkadot, uh, Cosmos, I like think Binance chain re- recently announced they are actually moving to this, this style as well. Um, And after evaluating how some of these have operated we think that's the uh uh, probably the safest the the best balance between uh further scaling Theta and keeping some security uh uh rather than uh, cross-chain bridges necessarily um so that's uh going to be the next big technical push for this year um testnet will be out in i believe uh october and then the mainnet launch projected for december so Uh, Always away, but we just started uh, uh, talking about this last week and published a new white paper, so that's got a lot of people excited and that's one of the things we'll be focusing on at at Blockdown.
0: Right on. Anything in particular in regards to the NFT space, whether it be Theta Drop or any exciting things you want to mention coming up there? Obviously, we talked about a couple of the upcoming drops. Yeah, uh,
1: so I, there is a unfortunately the specific timing. There's what I, I I wish we were just a little bit later and could talk about. But um, going out soon, I think the the release of of this collaboration is going to be around the time of lockdown. Um, so we should be able to highlight that as well. Um, Which collaboration? You,
0: or you can't you can't say?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's not <laughs> I mean, not it's a,
0: bit, it's a big name or a couple of big names.
1: Uh, and we're excited because uh, again we found uh, a really uh blue chip partner here that gets it and wants to use the nfts to be very intertwined in what they do uh and, and just keeps going back to this vision we have of of how we drive in the nft space forward as you show all the different ways it could be used within existing products existing businesses and it just um it, it, in our minds the more we can show how this makes sense uh for in in traditional business models or existing business models, the more that uh, makes a light bulb go off in the head of other folks who, who are maybe considering using NFTs, they're curious, they don't really know what it is, they're not sure if they want to pitch it to their uh, department head yet, but when they see these interesting backings and in they're from names that they already know, that kind of thing uh, builds credibility for all of us and should drive things forward.
0: For sure, because there is still a stigma attached when you bring up NFTs, in certain contexts and you say oh yeah this company is going to be using nfts there is a segment of the population a significant segment that their first reaction is to like groan or to like be disgusted yeah. by it
1: yeah i i mean i i get it we we live in this world so we see a lot of uh, incredible stuff getting built but there's no denying there's a lot of uh you know nonsense use cases or scout rice scams or Things that are kind of hacked together to use crypto just because they wanted to to put out a token. I, I don't entirely blame people that have a bad idea of it because if you don't actually sift through that crap to get to the the really innovative projects, it does look like a lot of uh, a, a lot of wasted time to be going into it. And, and some of it's specific to the the sector. I don't know how much you follow gaming, but there is a an enormous uh, stigma and. and uh, now uh, outright backlash against NFTs in the gaming space. Uh, mm-hmm. it, I think before they were skeptical because it sounds like the microtransactions they already hate. But then when a few tried to introduce it, they pushed back hard. And now it's almost like a, a gaming companies difficulty to even bring up NFTs. I can see how they I think moving.
0: Ubisoft was one of the ones that had the biggest backlash.
1: Yeah. And, and I think Square Enix, too, also yes. wanted to incorporate something. In and I don't know what the status is of now. A lot of them have had to back off. Um, and it's unfortunate. I get how there's a lot of uh, scar tissue with these guys after microtransactions have ruined a lot of games and they see this just as microtransactions version, two. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it's, it's a big it's a big hurdle and I, it's not going to be solved overnight. Like you're not just going to the a very cool NFT game is not going to fix uh, that problem. Uh, a meeting for it. So it's, it's a lot of work to be done. I mean, and, you know, they probably raise good points too. You know, it should be a two-way street in communicating that. The, a lot of the prominent folks in the gaming industry have concerns. Probably it's something we should be thinking about in the crypto space. It's like, is this being used for the right reasons? Is this just going to be uh, another tool to exploit gamers? If so, maybe we should be rethinking how NFTs are being used in games.
0: Yeah, I think if it is a cash grab, it's usually pretty obvious that it is, even whether or not it's a UF, uh, an NFT. You know, mm-hmm. if it's just there for them to extract more wealth without providing value to the consumers, then there's a problem with it, right? You know, really, ira- regardless of whether or not it's an NFT. That's
1: right. It's, you know, like any powerful technology, you need to be think about how you're using it. Like, there's a lot of wonderful things artificial intelligence is, is starting to actually be used for. like. Uh, more effectively processing DNA analysis that requires incredible amounts of compute that can be done, uh, what I understand, more in a more targeted way and, and produce better results by using uh, artificial intelligence. It can also be sold to a dictatorship that is going to use AI to more effectively find out who to imprison because of their political beliefs. You know, right. like it's just because something is new and exciting in technology does not automatically mean you just. Throw it at every use case and just assume it's going to work out for the best. You do need to think through these things.
0: Yeah, for sure. Very interesting. Yeah. Well, hey, thank you very much, uh, Wes, for joining me for this. And uh, I wish you a great trip to Croatia for the, what's the name of that event? Festival? It's called Blockchain. Blockchain Festival? Blockdown. Lockdown. Okay. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yes. It says that right there. <laughs> yeah. And that's May 11 to 13. So that's cool and uh, yeah yeah, i just uh want to wish you a safe trip and an awesome time
1: thanks a lot yeah great talking to you darren thanks for having me on for sure thanks very much
0: thanks again for listening to the non-fungible podcast see you again soon